Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. We're back, also still live on Facebook Live, um, but we've got Robert Reddick who's going to rejoin us for part two of the podcast. Um, as you heard last week, Robert you know, has his, his new startup. Um, they're working on GateStaff version 3.0 currently. Um, he's pivoted a couple times as a result of product testing, um, kind of learned his niche a little bit further through talking to an investor, which is kind of where we left off our conversation last week, um, where he'd gone out to Austin, somebody told you you need more data, and you're in the process of figuring out how to balance that data privacy issue. Um, True. Which is, you know, um, to a certain extent, he kind of sort of called your baby ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, you walk out of that meeting and your initial first response, not where you are now, your initial first response is? Uh, uh, Facebook's facing a billion dollars worth of whatever. Yeah. And I don't need to get wrapped up in... Now, obviously, we, haven't, we don't have those problems. Right? Because yeah. we, we don't have that kind of scale and challenge. But the, the, the initial reaction, because Facebook was in the news with the privacy breach that exact week, and it was like, well, I think we're on the right side. How long did it take for you to um, move a little in the direction of he's got a, um, he's got a partial oh, point that we did? Immediately. I'm not, you know. You're not stubborn? No. Well, yeah, I'm stubborn. Okay. Hang on, mom's on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm stubborn, but the, we've always known we needed more data. Yeah. No one showed us a mirror on it. And so it was helpful. There's no question about that. Um, so no because one... it was really, it was a straight up VC perspective. You don't have any data. I can't invest in this. Yeah. It was, and so it was like, okay. So knowing that you got that. It's not like I'm going to dig in and go, well, no. You're it's, wrong. No, you're yeah. right. No, it's like, hmm. Let's figure out how to slice this. Yeah. Um, Knowing that the VC perspective was helpful there, Mm -hmm. um, have you you been talking to other investors since then to continue to figure out what you need to do for their version of product market fit? Uh, Not yet. Not yet. We we have not. And so there was a little bit of interaction there Mm -hmm. uh, with with an investor. But the... Like, for instance, in this region or in San Francisco, uh, other other meetings in Austin, they were more customer-centric yep. or, or meeting people, developers, and things like that. So, What are you meeting developers for? Well, there are, there are aspects to gate staff that we believe will be deployed through other companies. Okay. And so we're not, um, we haven't released those yet. We haven't announced those. But there are some things that we're working on that make our solution not as holistic that we've designed and engineered everything perfectly. It's more of a broad API play. Okay. So we'll, we'll have to see how, how our product matures and make sure that it's developer-friendly and, and works for them, but it is something we're considering. Okay. Yeah. Um, when, um, when do you go down the road... <laughs> We're still Facebook Live. I think we're about to lose power here. Um, what um, 
When do you expect to raise money? Well, I, what, where we're at right now is relatively organic. And so we expect to roll out. And, I mean, we have people buying our product now. Okay. And so we expect people to pay for our, our newer product after it's gone through some alpha and beta testing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll eventually will it be enough capital. to survive? It's not enough to accelerate. Yes. And so there's the challenge. Yeah. The challenge, the challenge is... The challenge is that as we get the more innovative aspects of our product to market, it becomes easier, to, you know, to steal or to copy. Yeah. And so, we can we can get ahead of that to some degree. Yeah. Because we have strong customer relationships, and 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 understand that community. We can sort of work the back channel, you might say. Um, but when it comes to but when it comes to the broader market. Yeah, we've got to. Effectively, we need to be a few features ahead. Yeah, and we need to get those financed because, you know, just working with one developer. I mean, got developers doing three jobs right now. Yeah, you know, it's common in startups for that kind of stuff to happen, but it gets, you know, it gets old and it doesn't. And it, it's not sustainable. It's really the biggest deal. But you and I've talked about it. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you raised money a year and a half ago. It's extraordinarily dilutive. Mm-hmm. Um, you raised yeah, money. No yeah. Um, you've raised money further down the line where you've got a product fit and everything else and it's less dilutive. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's that balance from we don't want to be diluted at such a high cost to, right. damn it, we need some capital around here so you know we can, we can continue to eat ramen noodles. Um, how, does, um, how does that balance? To, I mean, how do you feel? I and mean, I know every entrepreneur is different. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, how are you feeling through that, that process right now? You scale in the first quarter, or it's just so hard to so hard to know right now. I think the culture of our company is a product company, and so we are going to be product centric. We're going to build that product. We're going to envision and build that product. We're going to look forward at where we think it's necessary, and we're going to build it. And and so the construct with with myself and Ryan, our lead developer, we're able to go out there look forward, this is where we need to be, look further, okay, this is going to align with that, come back to today, build that thing, move it forward. We're going to continue to do that. And so we're going to do that without investor money. We're going to do that with investor money. We're going to do that if we're unsuccessful. We're going to do that if we're successful. And so I believe if we maintain that perspective, on being a product company and not just shifting to whatever everybody's telling us. Yeah. That that's a that's an important aspect. And so there's there's that that element. Now going back to when do we get the money? Or, you know, when do we try to raise money? Or when do we have those conversations? Well, frankly, if we have a product in uh, in the marketplace and people are buying it, then those are a lot simpler conversations to have. Yeah. Right. And because right right now the, the the revenue we can show is not. You know, it's not conducive to an investor. Yeah, it's it's enough to sustain. It's enough to, to keep us going. And yeah, you pay the hosting bill and all this kind of stuff, but you know, it's not the kind of numbers that they're going to look at uh, for uh, you know for an investment. So uh, some of it is that we've got to we you know, but I I mean frankly I think that that we just try to build cool products, and maybe that's not a sustainable formula, but it's certainly a good start. Um, you mentioned company culture. Mm-hmm. Um, for such a small little there's, group. There's, yeah, there's like, what culture. Right? There's three of you. Yeah. Why right. do you start talking? And um, look back 
mm-hmm. uh, I guess, uh, gosh knows, 17 years mm-hmm. with the NTV. Mm-hmm. Did you think company culture at that point in time, or have you matured as a... No, culture back then was Culture Club. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't they just play? They just played here, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, so that there was, nobody was talking about corporate culture back then, and, and we're not talking, I'm not talking about it today because it's in the news or any of that kind of stuff. It, it's... It's simply a way to think about how we want to run the company and what our values are. And we value innovation and, and building good product and being ahead of the cycle. Because we've proven that we can be ahead of the cycle. We just simply need to get to uh, a good uh, you know, customer base and marketing base to be able to really evolve the company and evolve our efforts. How do you stay ahead of the market without getting so far ahead that... Mm-hmm. Um, the market won't accept it. So, Sam and I were talking about this when you took a break a few minutes ago. Yeah. We were talking about how a wide view of, of, of business and markets mm-hmm. is very helpful. And so, let's reel this off. IBM and Apple trained me in 84 to sell computers. I was involved in sales. I was involved in education, working with the UNC Charlotte on computer rollouts. I worked in law firms, stock brokerage, accounting firms. I spent five years working in hospitals. I spent 10 years in the background check industry. I spent 15 years off and on doing entrepreneurial projects, worked with lots and lots of different client environments and their needs and, and, and so forth. So the answer, part of the answer to that question is just a broad view of the market. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think that's where some of it comes from is that you begin to see patterns that are happening from one industry and it translates over into another one. I think that that's, I think that's part of it. If yep. you, you don't see those patterns if you're, if you're in the weeds with one industry. You see it easier if you're, if you're cross-industry. That was the sound of Robert's phone going dead and us no longer being on Facebook Live. So we now have a authentic on, we have authentic on, podcast to, to those listeners with us here today. That's right. Um, fresh content now. So Harvard and a number of other publications have come out over the course of the last six to twelve months and talked about you know the average age of the successful mm-hmm. entrepreneur mm-hmm. Um, being much older than what we would associate it with, right? And we, I think we all sure. think of a, a startup entrepreneur being 22, and um, let's be honest, Sam is the only person in the room that's anywhere close to that number, myself included. Um, so that maturity that you... T- <laughs> Sam is here cheering for yeah. the youth of America. Yeah, exactly. Um, that maturity is, is essentially what you're talking about, right? That experience, having been out in the world, seeing a couple of different areas... Mm-hmm. Um, how much has that helped you over the course of the last 18 years? It's a ton. I mean, just being involved in a lot of industries it is something that I never projected would be valuable, but it has turned out to be incredibly valuable. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not just in the technical, what you see in, in how an industry works. It's also in how you see the marketplace in that industry working, how the channels, sales channels work. Um, you know, what, what are the, the key... You know, I, I just went to the... Um, Modex trade show in Atlanta. We were looking for some scanners for some customers. Okay. Well, Modex is um, uh, warehouse environments, you know, all the robotics that go into the Amazon warehouse, mm-hmm. a, that kind of stuff was on display. And so I was very easily, I, was, I could very quickly get up to speed, go on the trade show floor, 
talk to people about what they're doing. Our angle on that was workforce management software for, you know, for that industry. Frankly, I didn't go down there to try to sell software. I went down there to buy scanners. Yeah. And I ended up every third person I talked to, oh yeah, we need workforce management. We're using this crappy system. You know, tell me about that. You know, and yeah. it's, things things get very fluid in those environments. I love going to trade shows. I mean, I, my first trade show was Comdex in Atlanta in '84 or '5, I think. Okay. So, yeah. So, a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. You weren't a lot on a trade show for. I, I don't know why more people don't jump at that, you know, or why we don't have more of those that in Charlotte. I mean, we need more of that kind of stuff in Charlotte. Before we go to the needs of Charlotte, mm-hmm. um, I've talked a lot um, in the past about... He's holding... You notice he's holding that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm holding he's that holding car. that car. Yeah. He might have talked to me before about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I've talked a lot in the past about there being more entrepreneurs in this city than we currently have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, right now we're in Packard Place. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple banks that happen to be not too far away from us. There's probably some pretty smart people in there. Sure. They've accumulated some years of service. They've got some experience. And they just haven't come out of that tower yet, so to speak. Um, I've mm-hmm. already crapped on Google, and I guess mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and say that the banks need to shed some of their employees so that they can be entrepreneurs in our town. Um and you left your company mm-hmm. not too long ago. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you'd been running Gate staff for four, four and a half years at that point in time that you left them. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you know it was time to leave? Um, how did that work? Um, I know sometimes it's a smooth exit and sometimes mm-hmm. it's an unsmooth exit. Yeah. Otherwise, a, a rocky exit. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was that process like for you kind of running a startup on the side? Well, what was the catalyst was for you jumping ship? I was, I, was, uh, I was very fortunate. I mean, I've been in the background check industry. I've said, you know, said it a couple of times, but um, I've worked on the retail and the wholesale side of, of employment screening. And it was smooth for me. I, I staged it up. I staged it up that way. They knew I was working on Gates staff. It was part of my of my negotiations with them. And so there's a... Were you scared the first time you took it to them and told them I'm working on something, on a side hustle? I think anybody would be. Yeah. And, and so it's a little bit, uh, you get a little nervous around that because you're not sure how they're going to go with it. But, I mean, as you get a little more mature into your career, I mean, Sam might not feel that way walking right into somebody who's just hiring him yeah. or what have you. But as you get your, your feet wet... Balding, gray-haired, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, some of those things. The um, people are respected if you want to do things, and frankly, if they're not respected, if they're not respectful, yeah, of what you're trying to accomplish, you might be in the wrong place anyway. Yeah, oftentimes are. Yeah, and so I, I think part of it is a, a bit of a negotiation. If you're going to be one foot in, one foot out, and so I got to be able to do that a little bit. Got to be able to save a little bit of money so that I have some run, some runway for our organic push to bring our product to market. Yeah. Um, I think for people who are on the fence, they should try to do some of the things on their own. I think, you know, I've jumped ship before. I jumped shipped at, at the at the Hornets. I mean, I worked there for, for five seasons, six seasons, and I wanted to go work on a video startup. I wanted to go work on a video startup. I mean, I, I was doing, you know, Jeffrey Gittimer here in town, I did his initial video webcast. Okay. Uh, we were in a um, TV studio here in Charlotte, and I'd go over there at four thirty in the morning and do a do a, a live webcast, and then I would go to work at the Hornets. 
And I did that off and on for a couple months. And it wasn't, I think we ended up doing six or eight of them or something like that. It wasn't a huge number. But I wanted, I wanted to do something different. And so I jumped ship. And I remember when I left, I didn't save for anything. I wasn't prepared. I, I literally thought I would be able to walk out that door, get a programmer, work together with them, build a product, and then 30 days later, we'd be selling it. Two years later... <laughs> it shut down. And we had to shut it down. Yeah. We ended up selling pieces of it, and so it was somewhat of a recovery. But um, do you regret? I mean, um, oh, no, do you I regret don't. jumping ship from? The, I mean, a great paying organization like the Hornets soon did become right. Delegates. I mean, I was and, make, making yeah. the most money I'd ever made. I yeah. was having a great time. I was in the newspaper with the best job in Charlotte. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty interesting. But you left situation. that behind and went and started a company that failed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you got to regret that. No, 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 I don't. Because no. if if I hadn't done that, then I wouldn't have the foundation to continue and yeah. to, to to do more things. So it it's risk reward, like so many things in life. Uh, if you're risk averse, then it might not be the thing for you. If you're entrepreneurial in in nature, or if, frankly, if you just want something different in the world than what you see, and you think you can get it done. You should try to you should try to create the framework that allows you to do it. You, you, you know, it's one of those you only get one, you know, one spin here at this. Yeah. So. Well, you didn't know it then either, right? I mean, um, the Hornets no, left. No, there was some regret, no yeah. doubt. But, but the Hornets it, left several years later, and you wouldn't have had a job anyway. So. Well, I knew they were leaving. Yeah, and at that point, yeah. I knew there were transitions happening. Yeah. Uh, uh, George had sold part of the team. Okay. Some. some you know, negotiations around that. We didn't know where they were going. We just yeah. knew they were going. Security is never what it seems, though, right? It isn't. So, especially in the job market when you're working someplace else. No, exactly. Uh-huh. You want you want to you want to build up a, a, a wide repertoire and of skills and capabilities, and frankly, networking contacts. That's the thing. Going to the trade shows and being in so many industries is part of what Sam and I were talking about a little bit. Was you just meet so many people? Yeah. I've been going through my business cards trying to figure out you know, who to contact, you know, about our rollouts this year. What's a business card? I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's this thing with the QR code in the back of it. <laughs> so, uh, Fair enough. And I've got thousands. Yeah. Thousands of business cards over time that I've collected. And and what good are they, right? I've got business cards that don't have email addresses yeah. on them because they're so old. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah, those are people, but that there's stories there, and, and you go back through that. Like I'm, I'm in my mid fifties now, and so I'll go back through that, and there is a huge network. Yeah, uh, that has has materialized over time, and it's not like I went out and purposefully tried to build it. I've been a little more intentional recently. Yeah, of course. But, um, it just happened organically over time because I was in so many markets and so working with so many different types of people. I mean, it, and another part of this is being is being somewhat aggressive about what um, technologies come out and the exploration of those. And so I'll go back to when LinkedIn rolled out. And so when LinkedIn rolled out... Oh, you just like to brag at how early you were in on the game. You had to word that in. Here, hang yeah. On. Hang on, I brought my digits. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm LinkedIn member number 1434. 1,434. Right, so I joined the second day. Mac Lackey and I joined the same day. Okay. I'm not sure if he invited me or I invited him, but I, or he got a third invite. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, we uh, 
being aggressive about new technologies. I mean, you've seen people turn away from new tech, right? Yeah. They see it. Well, that's not important to me. Why would I ever use that? Yeah. Those are the wrong questions. Why are they doing it this way? What is this technology for? How can I deploy this technology? Can I get an edge by understanding this technology that someone else doesn't have? These are the kind of things that you, if you rush in, you don't over, <laughs> you know, you don't overkill. But I mean, I'm, you know, I joined Facebook when as soon as they were open, uh, because I was past the college uh, .edu thing. Yeah. So as soon as they opened up for Charlotte, I got in. Uh, LinkedIn before that. Being part of those networks early was very helpful. Yeah. I was part of Rise. Rise was before LinkedIn. Okay. And so. Um, it had a bunch of California entrepreneurs on it. Yeah. And so those kind of network, I was able to begin to build some presence and begin to see how other people were interacting and what they were talking about. And then you start to assume things. You start to assume things about what those conversations are about and the content of those, uh, how people are behaving, for instance, online. I just think rushing into some of these, these, these technologies is something people don't do. They stand back, they wait. They take a, a conservative position on it, and frankly, you're better off getting in there, learning the thing, spinning through it, and getting rid of it, and going on to the next thing. You're actually going to learn a lot more. You're going to meet a lot more people. There's going to be a lot more enthusiasm, excitement going on, while other people are sitting back, still doing whatever else they were doing. I mean, I guess in a way, it is sort of like Charlotte, right? Yeah. No, Charlotte sits back a fair amount. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of con- so you mentioned conversations, uh, you mentioned stories there a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the one of the things that Charlotte doesn't talk about is failures, mm-hmm. um, and I think that holds us back a lot in the startup scene because everybody's scared to talk about the failure. Out of startup failure, you have a startup failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've talked about it before. You've talked about it before as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how much does that hold back the city? I don't know that that's holding things back. I think that... Oh, you had to squeeze that, it in somehow, didn't you? You're, well, going, you're going to the startup scene. No, no. yeah, you're going to take me there. Yeah. I don't have to worry about that. I mean, we're good sisters in sin on that. Yeah. But um, I don't think that's holding it back. I think that's, that's simply um, people holding it in, you might say, and they're not, and they're not being a big vehicle for, for communicating that. Um, you know, going out, like, for instance, you know, I mentioned I went to the San Francisco uh, uh, three times last year, went to a bunch of meetups, went to... I, what I found interesting is is I'd go into an environment like that, I'd look on meetup, it would say, hey, there's 20 people going to show up. Well, that sounds good, whatever. So I go to the thing, there's like 80, 90 people there. Yeah. And it's sponsored by an insurance company. They're standing there saying, this is how we are deploying technology. You ever seen a bank come into a meeting, a meetup, invite a bunch of developers in, business people, and go, this is how we're deploying this technology. Let's have a conversation about that. Let's do knowledge sharing around that. That's happening every day in those markets. Yeah. That's not happening at all in this market. No. And so what is that difference? Yeah. You know, if we could put our finger on that, we might be might have something. But it is one of the things I wanted to mention today because I saw it I ha- I saw it happen with this insurance company. I saw it happen at Twitter. I saw it happen in FinTech. I saw it happen in a number of sectors out there where they would simply have just open knowledge sharing. They would put their lead engineers out. 
I went to an Airbnb out there. They went a two-hour deep dive data science, you know, on some of their uh, content filtering that they were doing, and it was just, it was really impressive. Very a lot of knowledge that you can pick up really, really quickly. I don't really see that. Here. Why? Why don't we have it in Charlotte? Because some of that's, there's that fear and that you know being conservative about your business and holding back and. And really not rushing in. I think there's, there's some of that. Um, I don't know. Maybe they've never seen it. Maybe but they've never seen the advantage of it. Whereas they saw the in San Francisco, of... they're here. They gotta see it a little bit, Robert. Why? Are, why is it not transitioning to little see it, Charlotte? See it working might be two different things. Right? Yeah. Seeing somebody do it and see it actually working for that company might be two different things. Um, you know, I don't know. It, all, all the, like in the financial sector here in Charlotte, these companies are are begging for engineers. Yeah, they're begging for for lead talent on things. That is a recruiting strategy in SF to get your to get your super techs to to run podcasts and run you know and run meetups and, and slideshows about their tech and do knowledge sharing. That is a recruit absolutely a recruiting strategy for them. So, do we don't don't need engineers here? I don't know. But I think we. I think case can be made. We need I think a few. We need more, yeah. more engineers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. Um, you know, and cult- culturally, it might be that in Charlotte we were sort of homogenized. You know, here we we weren't really multicultural. We were becoming multicultural very quickly here. Yeah. What do you mean? I'm from Eastern North Carolina. You're from Western North Carolina. That's multicultural, isn't it? When I drove here today, I drove by. Uh, one of the towers. Yeah. I was driving downtown, and I looked around. I just happened to look up. I looked around, and more than half the people I saw were international. Yeah. In other countries, you know, and I'm thinking, all right, it's starting to happen. It's yeah. good. Because that's a good thing. You know, it's gonna, it's gonna, uh, it, it creates a, you know, a framework of ideas that are completely different than people who are all coming from the same backgrounds. So being open to that. The business culture and business climate here is open to that, which it does seem to be, then, then that's going to help with some of this. The startup ecosystem here in Charlotte is five years old, give or take. You can call it six or seven. Um, I always thought it was happening back in the 2000s, but yeah. I, guess I, I guess I was wrong. It crashed and burned. Um, <laughs> you're <why>? welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you're right. Version I mean, one. Yeah, uh, version <laughs> one. But you're right. I mean, to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, you had Lending Tree, um, mm-hmm. you had Avid Exchange, but mm-hmm. really wasn't successful until the last couple of years. Um, but we have had some quote unquote mm-hmm. startup success. Um, but it never, you know, it certainly didn't develop into a, a big entity from mm-hmm. 1998 to 2013. So only since 2013, it seems like it's gained traction, but it still doesn't seem like it's gained the traction that it. Deserves. deserves deserves for the South City we are the footprint that we have technologically, market size yeah and things like you're absolutely right. What well, I mean, so you you've been part of it now for mm-hmm. a couple uh, a couple of days. Um, you have a viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> why? What's holding the city back from a from being a better entrepreneurship hub in your view? And we've got fifteen seconds. I think I think I'm the, just kidding. I think what we talked about with respect to corporations opening their doors to um, to more of an internal external conversation, I think that's an important element. 
it's not really being addressed by any 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 aspect of the startup ecosystem that I know of. I believe that our people are trying to put together innovative events and they're trying to do things to help entrepreneurs and investors both. Um, it, putting advisors together, for instance. I, but I, 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 do, I do think that the corporations that have, um, it, like for instance in the financial sector, if they would begin to put some of this talent in the room, then they would actually see a, a shift in conversation. Now, that, whether that you know, walks its way into the entrepreneur side or is it just a recruiting element for them, that's sort of a toss-up at this point. Well, if they did it, I mean, you'd always think it would do both, right? I would think. Yeah. I would think. I mean, they got the right algorithms too. Yeah. They're data hungry too. There's a lot of smart people in this town. There's a uh, there's a huge group of people up at um, Davidson College that are working in data science. Yeah. And they've got they got meetups going up on up there, and they're they're putting together. Um, they they're they're com they're coming out every week or two with okay, let's try this, let's try that, and that's just a bunch of kids, you know, you know, respectfully. Yeah. Just showing up in a room together, pounding on data science. Yeah. So. I would think that the banks would want that. Or I would think, you know, another thing that I would think that the financial sector in Charlotte would want is product innovation. Not just data science and, and how, not just engineers for engineers' sake. Yeah. They actually, I would think that they would want FinTech and RegTech to be internalized or be closer to their mainstream planning. So, I mean... If you think about what's going on in their sector with the reg tech side, right? They're they're trying to deploy data to um, keep down the fines, right? And to manage fraud and, and to remain compliant. Yeah. And to be compliant. Well, there's that whole aspect. Then there's the whole all data thing, and how that's being used in insurance and credit scoring, and 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 what is all data? You know, it's it, it's whatever data you can assemble that you can produce lineage on. If you can say data is from here and that does make sense, you got a you got a you got a box of data you can use to produce a value that you couldn't produce before. Yeah. Well, they should be pounding on that. I mean, if, you, if I'm in the fin sector here, I'm I'm like laboratory, laboratory, laboratory. It's the cheapest thing you can do to grow your business. Yeah. So I think some of it's coming from the corporate side. They really, if, if they would step up in a little more uh, a public way. You would see you'd see bigger meetups. They'd be sponsored in a way. There'd be a little bit more skin in the game. Yeah, you might say. Uh, so there's that. So, so your question is about how, um, but, know, what kind of things might help grow the ecosystem? Yeah. Well, that's one thing. You know, I've got uh, other ideas around this. Do you want me to talk about that? Uh, give no, us, yeah, don't, don't give us give us one more. What are we missing out on? You, you know, for me, the biggest one is that we don't really invite entrepreneurs to demo their products. Yeah. And that, that's really the biggest thing. I think all these startup rooms in the city, they should have a table in the back. Yeah. You want to show your product? Go ahead. It doesn't matter what the theme of the business is, of the meeting is. Frankly, it doesn't matter. I mean, if it's entrepreneur-focused, yeah. investor-focused, entrepreneurs' needs are about money, but they're also about customers and traction and how to communicate their product. A lot of times, for building things, they have no idea how to even communicate it. Yeah. 
And so they have to learn to do that. Or a different perspective that might cause them to shift direction a little bit, right? Yeah, some things like that. I mean, the idea is to get out and get a lot of feedback and do it very, very quickly. Yeah. And to me, the easiest way to do that is demos. Yeah. And so this concept came to me back in the 2000s when Jim Roberts was running around Charlotte with startup uh, firstround.org. Yeah. And he was trying to he was trying to build the startup startup ecosystem here. And he was sort of the got the arrows in the back guy, uh, you know, in this community. And he's moved on to some other communities in, in North Carolina and tried tried really hard to, to work in, in startup culture. Frankly, built a career out of that, but it's been a hard slog. Yeah. But here in Charlotte, what came to me was that he had events, and there were a couple other events around Charlotte in the 2000s um, around entrepreneurship. And I would see the... I'd go to the events, and the only th- real thing interesting happening was when someone would bring a demo. Yeah. When someone would bring a phone, and at the time, like, WAP phones were really early. And I remember seeing a guy show a WAP application, and I was like, man, you're like, you know, you're you're the thing here. Right? Yeah. You're like, for this room of 40, 50 people, you're the only person who brought an app, and everybody wants to talk to you. Yeah. Well... That guy was getting product feedback. Yeah, he was getting positive and negative. Yeah, right. He was he was getting some exposure. He's learning to talk about his product. Yep. But the thing he was doing, and this is really the key. This is the thing I want people to really understand. What he was doing was he was competing. He was competing against everybody else in the room, and he was the only one that showed up. Yeah. And when I found those events, maybe two two entrepreneurs had demos or something like that, they were competing against each other. And that's what's not happening, right? We can talk about all this stuff, but when you have two or five or ten startups and they are competing against each other for the attention of the evening, they're going to show up prepared. Yeah. It's very easy to sit back and just build and build and build and build and not actually bring a product to market, not actually bring it to customers, not actually talk to the press about it, not actually talk to them about it. It's very easy to do all those things. You know what's hard? When someone puts something on your calendar, or you put something on your calendar, and you want to show up and be better than you were last week, yeah. And there's no series here. There's no series in this city, and frankly, it's it's not just a, a Charlotte thing. It could be. It's not really happening in other cities. But, you know, like SF has other things that are driving the ecosystem. Yeah. But in this city, that could really work well, because now you've got entrepreneurs going. Well, you know, I was here last week or month with this feature. I better show up with another feature next week. And it just trickles down throughout your whole startup. And so your developer gets engaged, your business people get engaged, and now everybody is is talking about the next thing. The next thing is just simply one more thing than the last thing in their production path. But it's that that's not happening, right? There's no one actually challenging the entrepreneur to show up with a product. Or if the product is immature, even... To be able to communicate the idea, there are stages. Yeah. Right. There's there's a million cups. There's a stage. There's a startup. Pitch engine. breakfast. Yep. Yep. Pitch breakfast. You've got. And but these are stages. Yeah. And those stages are good for feedback. One time feedback. One time feedback. And yeah. that's the trick. Is this over? It's repetitive overall thing. Frankly, it needs to be a weekly thing. Or, yeah. Or, or, and, and it shouldn't be one. Only one organization does this. If if the, if the ecosystem's working as a you know in concert. All the, all the events are like that. So I think there's a lot of a value that can come from giving entrepreneurs demo space and a persistent reason to show up. Yeah. 
I think there's a lot that can happen around that. Well, hopefully somebody will take that and run with it. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the last hour. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always enjoyed getting together. Your insight um, from a couple of days worth of experience is um, is is always um, is always welcome. You know, certainly wish you nothing but the best of luck. How do people find you? Um, well, I'm easy to find on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, I'm at Rabbit Rock. So. Uh, gatestaff.com. Yeah, gatestaff.com. Yeah, I would. Uh, you know, LinkedIn is a good communication platform. I use that a lot. Okay. Yeah. So, um, well, thanks for thanks for carving out some time. Thanks for carving out a, a, a few dollars for parking around here. Sure. And certainly wish you nothing but the best with the fall launch. Absolutely. Um, so, um, and come back and come back and tell us in a year how the launch went um, and how it continues to grow from here. Well, we will. We'll be back, and we appreciate you having us. Thanks for everything you're doing for for startups and in the Charlotte community, William. It, it, it means a lot to a lot of people. Yeah. People are watching. Um, uh, we hope so, right? We want to build it. We want to see it exist for a long time. And right. having you kind of talk to us today, the last two weeks, has been a beneficial. Yeah. Um, and I can't thank you enough. Well, thanks again. Yeah. Good luck. All right. Bye. <laughs>